This is Roof English Radio with Darenata, daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Roof. This is Roof English Radio. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company today. I am in Keplavik, or Reckinesbyr, I suppose we should say, at the Heritage Museum. And Eva Christian is with me today, who's going to guide me around three exhibitions which are currently here in the centre of the the town and and when we, we sometimes say Keplavik we sometimes say Reykjanesbær well, which would you go for? Um, I would go for Reykjanesbær since um, that uh, covers the entire area we yes. represent. Yes okay and of course Keplavik will be familiar to many Roof English radio listeners as the point of entry to the country very close to the airport the international airport where we are just now but as we've said before there is much to see apart from the airport in this part of the Reykjanes Peninsula. So here at the Heritage Museum, we've just come in through the main door, and there are three exhibitions taking place at the moment. The first one is of photographs. So what can we see in here? Yes, this exhibition is called Countenance, Residents of the Town Over Time. So we chose to uh, display photographs that are in our collection and have arrived in a frame. And the reason for that is that framed photographs usually have a special meaning. Mm. They are usually of people who um, have hold, people hold special to their heart or are taken at a certain point in life, so maybe a turning point. Yes. So we felt it was uh, nice to uh, bring out those photographs. And the oldest ones um, are about 140 years old. Okay. And the most recent ones only about 15 or 20 years old. You're right, I think, because if someone has taken the time to put a photograph in a frame, it's not like these photos have been lying at the bottom of a, a bag in a cupboard somewhere for years. No, not at all. Mm. And um, we have photographs from some of the sort of old masters uh, in Iceland that okay. people especially went and had their photograph taken, perhaps in Reykjavik, or, or some are even taken abroad. Of course, uh, photographs weren't accessible to everyone, like yes. in the uh, like 1800s. So the oldest is 140 years, I think. I'm so, guessing. I mean, we don't have, a, have an exact date, yeah. but... Where, where, uh, where is that one? It's, it's over here. Okay. And the frames themselves are beautiful as well, aren't they? They're also important objects here. Yeah, and it gives uh, the photographs a character as well. Yes. So the oldest ones we have here in the corner, we have a collection of sort of smaller photographs, and these are mostly family photos. Mm. They're, they're portraits, pretty much. There's one here of a farm with a, a, a horse and someone standing outside, but mostly these are portraits. Mostly these are portraits and uh, taking, taken in a, uh, in a gallery, like yes. at a photo, photographer's gallery. So, except this one uh, showing a, a man standing with his horse. I mean, a horse was uh, a big thing of identity at the time. I mean, you had your horse and you were proud of it, yeah. proud of your horse, and uh, it's like a, you had a nice car. It's like a car. It's the car of its, of its day, isn't it? What do we know about the subjects then, the people in the photographs? I mean, we know the names of some, mm -hmm. but not everyone. It's, uh, like this one by uh, Kaldal, Jón Kaldal. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the only, only information we have about this uh, photograph is that it was found in a specific building. Like, we just have the the address where it was found okay. in and then given to the mu museum. So uh, we have a box here and uh, you can fill out a form if you know who's in the photograph. I was going to say yes. Do you have visitors that can point you in the right direction yes, when it comes we, to identifying We people? have had some, uh, uh, yeah, we have identified some people uh, through this exhibition. 
There's one frame that's and one frame and one photo that's catching my eye. It's like a it's like one of these um, pop up Christmas cards that you get in a way, isn't it? Because the photo is standing proud, I guess, of the frame in a way. The frame is like a small post box almost with a glass front, and there are some flowers inside. It's a very unusual way to display a photograph, isn't it? Uh, yeah, these are known from like around the turn of the century, like or early in the 20th century. My guess is that this person died young, and this was uh, made to remember okay. him by. So it's a memorial rather than a, a portrait. Well, I don't know the specifics. Yeah. I mean, it just arrived in our collection without much information, but I'm, I'm guessing that's the, mm. what's going on here, because you can see it's like flowers, and he's in his kind of uniform, so I'm, I'm guessing it's a, yes. a rem remembrance. And the first colour photographs start to emerge here as well. Number 43 is the first colour one that I can see, unless I've missed any over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a midwife, known okay. to many people here, local <laughs> people. So, um, yeah, she, uh, she helped many children uh, okay. enter this world. So. so she deserves her place on the yeah. wall then, for sure. Some of the other photographs, this caught my eye as I came and I wanted to spend a bit more time looking at this. Now, this is... Well, this here is a, as a framed image with lots and lots of different smaller photographs of people and, and this building at the centre. Yeah, it's the, uh, the old elementary school. Okay. So these are uh, pupils from the elementary school ah, in the year, uh, school year of 59 to 60. So you get a lot of portraits here for your money, don't you, <laughs> I suppose? <laughs> yes, you <laughs> must do. must be about 100. Yeah I, think the, yeah, I think these are all the pupils. So yeah. we, ha we have a couple of these uh, in our collection, and I thought it was very great, like, very good to bring this out. And, I mean, we have guests coming in here, like, finding their own portrait or their grandmother's or yeah. their parents' portraits. Because if this is 1959 to 1960, of course, many of the people in this uh, wall will still be uh, alive. Yeah. And will come in and, and point themselves out. Maybe not having seen themselves for such a very long time. We've got some larger portraits here of, of various people. These look a bit more formal, the three we're looking at here. Yeah, the, they are bank managers. Okay. <laughs> From a time when that was a really important job in the community, I suppose. Yeah, and then uh, as a contrast, we have one of the, uh, one of a, a, a person, people have very fond memories of, of opening the bank, like mm. a, a bank worker. Um, so everyone's about to rush in here, is there? Are they yeah. to get their money out? I think uh, like uh, uh, <laughs> this portrait brings out like fond memories for a lot of people. But as a contrast to those bank managers on yes. the other side, we mm. uh, we de decided to bring out um, portraits of women who have been Lady of the Mountain on the June seventeenth celebrations okay. on the National Day of Iceland. Yes. So uh, there's a tradition that uh, there. Uh, a lady of the mountain is selected and she dresses up in the national costume and uh, gives a speech. And it's always like a local local lady. And we have both have from Njarðavík and from Keflavík before it, it joined, they joined uh, as Reykjanesbær with Hapnir. Mm. And I mean, we have do have a lot of them, but we just selected sort of a cross-section of them. And they're all wearing what you might describe as a, as a veil, but not over their face. The veil is, is almost worn on top of a crown, isn't it, that they're wearing? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a skautbúningur in Icelandic. It's one type of the national costume, mm -hmm. sort of the formal one. Has this year's subject been selected yet for the National Day of 2024, do we know? Um, probably not yet. Not yet, OK. 
Okay. Before we move to another part of the exhibition, I, I, I want to just mention the big hole that you, that you almost walk across as soon as you come through the door here of the museum. I'm standing at a glass panel and below that glass panel at floor level, extending all the way down is a well. How deep is this well? Well, it, var it varies because uh, <laughs> the, uh, the tight ha affects okay. the height of the water. So it's between, like, I think, uh, six and eight meters. But of course, this is um, re reflects that our sort of biggest, uh, biggest um, piece we have on display here is the house itself. Okay. This house, um, the Harper House, was built in uh, 1877 and is one of the oldest houses here in Keplavik. And, uh, and so it, this has been retained as a feature, as I say, there's a glass panel over the top and you, I mean, you can walk on top of this presumably, but I'm not very good with heights, so I'm too scared to do that. <laughs> well, the story goes that this was the, <laughs> the private well of the merchant's family. This, was, uh, this house was built uh, as a warehouse for the merchant mm. who lived, uh, had, it sh had the shop and lived across the street the, uh, in Gamla booth. Mm -hmm. And um, the story goes that this was the private well and it was like, um, it was uh, fenced off and like uh, the workers here could not use it. Okay. So uh, a lot of this house is still original. We'll see it when we go upstairs a bit more. Yes. Uh, and we, uh, and uh, in the top floor, we still have the, the large, large pulley wheel that we used to like hoist uh, the goods okay. up and down. And I think it's the only one that's still like in its original well, place in Iceland. On this level, as well as the well, there are these beautiful wooden beams uh, up on the ceiling. And as you, as you say, we'll see more of that, I guess, when we go upstairs. But let's move into the second part of the museum. Resit e oksoima, to sew a fine seam. And this, as we, as we pass on our left, some model ships, we move into this room, which is full of, very largely full of antique sewing machines. So the history of the sewing machine, I suppose, here. Yeah, we do have a large collection of sewing machines. Mm. <laughs> so this is actually the first exhibition I made since I, I became director here. Okay. And I felt it was good to sort of do justice to women's history because uh, sewing was mostly a woman's job. Mm -hmm. And we do have all those lovely sewing machines. And the oldest one, we have over here. It's probably one of the oldest one in Iceland. It's about uh, from 1870. And this uh, belonged to the merchant's wife. This one here? Yes. yes. The small one. Is, yeah. uh, it is very small, isn't it? Yes, it's, uh, it's, I think it's the smallest one we have. And um, I mean, it, it wasn't uh, for everyone to have a sewing machine. It was a, a very expensive piece mm -hmm. of equipment. And they used to say that uh, a sewing machine was equal to one uh, helping hand. So you could, uh, um, instead of spending over a day to sew a shirt, mm -hmm. you could do it in about an hour. Yes, yes. So very labor saving. So this one goes back to when would you say? Is, uh, 1870 about. 1870, so that's the oldest one this year, but there's, there's lots. And you can see that, I guess, the development of the technology because they get bigger and they look as if they're easier to operate and you've got electric ones here as well. Yeah, we, we decided to show them, uh, uh, um, yeah, make up a few themes. So we have like very nicely decorated ones. Mm. Um, here we have sort of the uh, development from the oldest one 
through, uh, through like hand, um, hand, cranked, hand cranked, yeah, uh, and then various uh, uh, electrical ones. Where did these come from? Where did they all come from? Because you've got about what thirty in here. Uh, we have a rough guess. Uh, the museum has, uh, I think, about sixty in the collection. Okay, and they've just come from individuals and also some of the schools. Right. Because um, you could probably add to this collection by heading down to Kolaportith in, in Reykjavik on the weekend. Yeah, There's always a sewing machine for sale there, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a bit of an excess, and that's sort of why I chose this. Because right. we, we do, I mean, we are not uh, accepting more sewing machines okay. to the collection. You, you, you've got <laughs> just, enough. Yes, okay. just so that's, that's clear. But, um, but since we do have this collection, it was uh, a good opportunity to sort of show mm. that how many people had a sewing machine here yes. in this area and how vital this piece of equipment was. Were they status symbols? I mean, they were expensive, but you've said they were obviously very, very useful. They had utility, but was it socially a big thing to have a sewing machine? I mean, in the, uh, I mean, in the 1800s, but then come to maybe 1930, they were a bit more common. Mm -hmm. I mean, then... Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1930s, 40s, most households had them. And they were kind of like, um, some of them were actually almost a piece of furniture. Mm. I mean, mm. they, came, they come like sat in the, this table that uh, is just like a decorative piece of furniture. They are beautiful, aren't they? A modern sewing machine. Is it as beautiful as some of these iron models, the hand crank models? Maybe not. No, I mean, those, um, those old ones from the 19... 20s, 30s. I mean, the, the oldest ones aren't as decorative, uh, but when they used to be, when, when they became more common, they were decorated more uh, and meant to be kind of a status symbol. I mean, these uh, old ones, they have like gilded mm. uh, decorations mm. and like um, mother of pearl inlay, and they're just meant to be beautiful pieces. Yes. Do they still work? Some of them do, not all of them. Mm. Well, they found a good home, at least, I think it is fair to say, here. And as we walk around, we pass the electric machines, the development of the electric sewing machine, but you've also got some garments on display here as well. Would these have been uh, assembled using these machines in some way? Yes, these are homemade garments. Um, one, the green one is a wedding dress, and the other one's uh, sort of just a gala, mm. formal, formal dresses. Um, here we have... Uh, some sewing machines used uh, in the schools. Uh, the oldest one, um, well, the first one, um, it's, uh, we know that uh, like handcraft was being taught in the elementary school in 1926. 20, and that's uh, before like, sort of it, it became the law that mm -hmm. everyone should, like, that girls should, know, uh, yeah. should uh, be taught. Handcraft. And was it only girls? Uh, up until, I think, uh, 77. As late as that? Yeah, then it was Gosh. only girls, but then uh, boys also uh, were required to join in. Right. Gosh, I mean, it feels, that feels quite recent, I suppose, for that change to be made. You've also got a display board here that says that this was a way for some women, and it was women in those days, to make some extra money. Yeah, it, it was really important for, it, it became a women's industry. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they, there were some uh, courses available, mm -hmm. and then here around the, around the room we have some uh, printouts of uh, ad, ads from the newspapers, like advertising uh, sewing services. Okay. 
And much as you get people coming in to look at the photographs and maybe they recognize themselves or someone that they know, do you get people coming in here and say, I used to have a machine like that or my, my grandmother used to have a machine like that? Yeah, it's like uh, people are really interested in this. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all know someone who had a sewing machine like this. So it's nice to come in and like uh, be able to learn a bit about the history. Yes. And also we, uh, we have like a, a children's worksheet they can work, do in here. And um, yeah, I mean, we, and in the corner we have a, a shoe, uh, like nice. a, a sewing machine from yes, I was uh, wondering the shoemaker. Because this is bigger, this looks different yeah. to the other ones. So this is for shoes. Yeah. So this is probably probably the only one uh, that was used by a man. Right. Okay. So the shoemaker uh, had this one. It's from the 1950s, and w but it was used up up until like 2010 or something. Yeah. yeah and and this became motorized, but originally it was operated by foot. Yeah, many of the uh, many of the sewing machines are either handcracked or operated by foot, uh, but were uh, made into. Uh, uh, electrical ones yeah. with so, just an attached motor. So obviously it was felt that this was worth keeping, it was worth upgrading by adding a motor to it. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. it's very sturdy. Yeah. I can see why they're on the ground floor, not upstairs. We're going to head upstairs actually now to the, I guess, the third exhibition. And none of these are permanent exhibitions, but they're certainly going to be around for some time. So if you're listening to this conversation in what is this, basically the first week of January in 2024, you will have plenty of time to come here to the museum and see these exhibitions. So the third part that we're looking at, tell me about uh, this much bigger exhibition. Yes, this one uh, is our most recent exhibition and it's called Trash or Treasure. And it's a bit perhaps unusual for an, for an heritage museum. Here we have more recent objects. Mm. And so the, what, um, what started this exhibition was a huge pen collection that came to us uh, just a few months before uh, I started working here. And when my colleague uh, pointed this out and we uh, showed it to me and said, we, yeah, we, we still have to register this and go through this. And I just went a bit like, oh, wow, <laughs> because it was uh, two Euro palettes stacked high with pens. And there are many on display here. So let's start there. We'll start with Christian Eilson's pen collection. Um, he had collected thousands of pens. His pen collection came to us from his uh, uh, children and Christian Eilson, he was a very dedicated pen collector and he had sorted his pen collection into 136 uh, folders which he had sewn sort of compartments oh. into sort of plastic sheets and he had a very specific uh, method of organizing them and then there were two big boxes of what he called uh, exchange pens. So the ones he had like duplicates of. Do you know why he collected them? It seems like an odd thing to collect. But what can you tell sort of prompted his decision to start collecting pens? I'm not sure actually, <laughs> uh, but it was just a passion of his. And when yes. he retired, he just like went all in. But so we just had to start somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. Some, somehow we had to deal with this. <laughs> And uh, we just started sorting out the the pants in the boxes, yeah. and we just uh, yeah very very quickly we just uh, came up with some 
some categories. Just right. something from, it's just from within ourselves. I mean, it's like uh, pants that have to do, something to do with the car. Pants okay. from... Uh, because a lot of these are what you call promotional pens. They've got the names of companies yeah. or, or political parties here, for example, on the side. So that was your your starting point for, um, for arranging them? Yeah, for those. And then we just quickly had the idea of just arranging them in a fun way. Just make sort of sculptures out of yes, them because there are just so many of them. And that's what you've done here, the way that they're displayed. It is very beautiful. They're all very colourful as well, but you've made, as you say, this sort of collage, I suppose, using the pens. They're arranged by various subjects. You've got pens that promote banks, pens that promote political parties. There's quite the range of different political parties there. So uh, there's there's no political bias here, is there really? They're all, all covered. Yeah, I was actually surprised <laughs> at, uh, by how few pens from p political parties there are. I'm not sure if it's like Political parties just haven't been making pens? Making pens. Or it's still about 20 or 25, I would say. Though. I mean, oh, yeah, out of uh, many thousands. Out of, out of thousands, yes. So how many pens in total? Do you have, did you have no, two big boxes? No, we haven't too counted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just registered as a sort of a bulk. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm the kind of person who never has a pen handy. I don't know about you, but I'm always, whenever I need one, I can never find one. This is definitely the place to be. Here's another wall of pens. Is this from the same collection? Yes, yeah, it's from the same collection. Okay. We decided to do like a, yeah, a sort of a, yeah, what, what, what would you call it? Um, well, you've got the pens ranged, uh, arranged in sort of colour order. There's a spectrum. It's like a rainbow of pens. Yeah. You start with red on one side, it goes through orange and yellow and green and blue and purple at the, the very end. Yeah, it's a very fun place to like do Instagram photos. Yes, yes. A, rain, a rainbow of pens. Here, here we also oh, there's more a, pens. Yes, <laughs> more pens. <laughs> I mean, this is just like a tiny fragment of all the pens. Yes. And we also have some of the folders uh, which, in which he arranged the pens. Good grief. So on, on this side, we've got charity pens, uh, personalized pens. As you say, some of the garages and car services companies with their promotional pens. In this case, there's a big fountain pen. There's some big chunky promotional items here. There's a, there's a lighter pen. It's a, it's a lighter on one end and a pen on the other. Yeah, those like multi multi-purpose pens are quite fun. <laughs> And we also have some like uh, pens that uh, represent like uh, businesses that are kind of disappearing, yeah. uh, like uh, gas stations and service stations along along the highway. Mm -hmm. And we have like some um, very passive, aggressive pens, like this pen uh, vanished from this business. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this pen has been stolen from yes. this particular business. So the folders, as you say, as well, and he kept them all in there. And I mean, you, you, you can feel the passion that he had for, for pens, wherever it came from. You can absolutely feel it and you can see it here as well. Do you sell your own pens here at the museum? No, no? we don't at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> We're just launching a new logo, so maybe okay, we will. Okay, so maybe soon. then. So this, this whole exhibition up here is, is Trash or Treasure? And it puts me a little bit, in, a little bit in mind of the Museum of Everyday Life in Isafjörður. Have you been there? Yeah, in a way. But I think we are closer to uh, modern times. Yes. In, in a way. Yes. But yeah, then we move on to uh, movie programs that were really popular in the sixties. So, uh, uh, not not every Icelander was very good at the foreign languages, and uh, translations didn't come into until until a bit later. Mm. So. You could get you could get those movie programs 
which have like a short summary of the storyline. Okay. And uh, and what uh, and uh, yeah, some photographs and or images and, uh, and and information about the cast. So these are the programs. Th th I mean, they take on the form here almost of micro or or very small posters. They're all in small frames. There's Peter Pan. What else do we have? Gentlemen prefer blondes. Um, we've got Cary Grant and Tony Curtis in. And you'll need to, I should know this, this is something, the, the boat, it's the... The Pink Submarine. The Pink Submarine, yes. Yeah, I yes. mean, also just for <laughs> Icelandic speaking people, the translations of the titles is just hilarious in some cases. <laughs> yes, I can <laughs> imagine. These are, these are actually, yeah. even though they are framed, these are mm -hmm. leaflets. So they, ha they have an interior side and the back side as well. And what's interesting about translation, if you think about television, I think in the 90s, I've, I've certainly heard some people in Iceland saying that when Friends came along, which of course was a huge TV show all around the world, it wasn't dubbed here, it was subtitled. Mm -hmm. And so a whole generation was able to, on a regular basis, see subtitled material. And that, that, that wasn't happening here, of course, was it, during these, no, these is, films' lives? this is before the time of subtitles. Yeah. So, yeah, this is how people sort of managed without having a, maybe a great language skill. And what this also shows is that cinema generally was always popular in Iceland. Yeah, very, very popular. Yeah. And I think it's also just like you could get this sort of memorabilia, like this is a catalogue of what mm. movies you've seen. All of these come from the same person and there's plenty more to be had. And there were two cinemas here in Keplavik, are there still Nia Bio and, and Phyllis Bio? Uh, yeah. Do they both still exist? Uh, no, I think we only have one. You've got the one, one there. Badges. Um, sold as part of fundraising efforts for a whole variety of, of events and, uh, and festivities such as the National Day and uh, a collection of some of those here. There's the Icelandic flag in the middle, but we've got some other badges that are worth looking at. Try and pick one out here. Here is um, uh, Keplavik Airport, indeed, as we mentioned. Yes, these were used as ID cards. So we have those like sort ah. of commercial ones, like advertising, but we also have some more serious ones. So like, yeah, the ID, uh, ID cards from, uh, from the base. And also, um, like this one, who is like a Verkfallsvörður, so it's like a strike, uh, yeah, it's from one of the strikes. One of the strikes, okay. Yeah. So these ID badges, you've got the photograph of the person who would have owned them and used them. There's Björn Stefansson, you've got Helga Alex Dottir and Gudrun Skoronowski, mm -hmm. uh, I think that might be a Polish name. We've got some lighters here, some Zippos which feel very uh, American. What do we know about these? Uh, these have just come to our collections. Um, I mean, I just wanted to uh, bring out, uh, yeah, um, lighters and, um, uh, yeah, matchboxes, uh, because, I mean, not, like, people used to carry light with them everywhere. Yeah, But yeah. you can't really ask anyone for light anymore. No, no, because most people will not smoke. Yeah, so and also, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I say that as a former smoker myself, I used to always have a lighter, which I would lose and then buy another one and buy another one and buy another one. Yeah, so uh, this is one, um, yeah, so this is one of those ob objects that, like, in most cases, would have, would have just ended up in the trash, but someone has collected these, like, yes. kept them, and they brought them to the museum. And they have a new life as part of this exhibition. We'll continue to move through some baseball caps, 
hanging from the ceiling here and some party napkins. And again, it's all, it's about taking something, the exhibition is called Trash or Treasure, taking something that you might have thought of as being trash and giving it a new purpose here as treasure to enjoy. Yes, exactly. I mean, lots and lots of girls used to collect uh, napkins and the collection, uh, this uh, on this table uh, had belonged to like uh, three generations of women. So you can see, you can kind of obviously see that we have some older ones mm -hmm. and then we go closer in time. So it's like three, three women who have collected these and just passed on the collection mm -hmm. and then it came to us. And you can see on the other table, the napkins are a bit more colorful and they are sort of younger and closer in time. We have uh, framed a few. Mm -hmm. And over here we have a, a sort of dictionary, photo, like an image dictionary of, uh, I think this one is, uh, we have two. So mm -hmm. this one is in uh, Norwegian, I think. And the other one we have is in French. In French. So yes, they are squares, uh, sort of nine squares by nine squares. And as you say, um, images there to assist the language learner. Yeah, that, that may, I think this is from Norway, in fact, yes, this one. So you can look at one of the squares and you can see that the Norwegian word for key is? Nuckel. Nuckel. Just one of the examples. Baseball caps. Where are these from? All over. All over. Yeah. All over. I also just felt like, okay, uh, these, these were objects that sort of were given away and you sort of accumulated in houses, mm. but mm. The baseball cap sort of is going through like a, yeah, new, I mean, it's back in fashion. So yes, yes. I thought it was a good idea to sort of bring out the baseball caps we had. And you don't usually see them displayed like this, hanging from the ceiling and, and, and well lit. And again, it just, it, it shows that the, I guess the mundane or the everyday or, or something that you wouldn't think of as being worthy of investigation absolutely is. Cigarette cards. Uh, again, something from a very different era, the idea that you would, you know, have little cards and packets of cigarettes that you would collect feels like a very ancient idea. Yeah, these are from around the 1930s. I mean, from 25, 6 up until 1932. Um, these are cigarette cards, but mm -hmm. also from uh, coffee, uh, soups. And we have, uh, these are Icelandic series. So we have uh, from... Uh, yeah, uh, from all directions, yes. like uh, snapshots from the world, with like some uh, with small. Uh, well, I spotted this here, the fourth road bridge, or the fourth rail bridge, indeed that is. Yeah, and then yeah. you have a, uh, have a short text about it. So this yes. is how Icelanders were getting their information about the world. <laughs> many of them are like very stereotypical and like make you cringe a bit today. Yes. And you had to smoke a lot of cigarettes to find out about the world as well, I guess, in those days. But we also do have like Icelandic images. So we oh, have mm -hmm. Icelandic, uh, uh, Icelandic ships. Mm -hmm. And if you could collect all 50, you, uh, you could uh, send in for an uh, enlarged photograph. And I found one in our collection. So we have that up here as well. So this is the enlarged photograph yes. that someone as a reward for smoking 50 packets of cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, the cargo vessel Detifos, an enlargement of one of the smaller cards that yeah. you could have got okay. and we also have uh, Icelandic landscapes two series of them uh, and Icelandic sports people and then we have just like a single cards from other series but there were Icelandic actors 
uh, images from the uh, celebrations uh, mm -hmm. in 1930 in Thingvellir. Uh, we, we, I think we're missing one or two from the ship, uh, from the shipping series, but we don't have a have an entire uh, series in our collection yet. Not yet. <laughs> but hopefully that will happen at some point. Some of the sports people that you mentioned as well who've been immortalised here on these cards and moving around into again something that feels like it's moving into the past the era of the plastic shopping bag and we have a number of those preserved here which is your favorite of these um i oh it's very difficult to say i think <laughs> it's the butter one we have over there Smur. Yes. And this is not a biodegradable type of plastic either. This is the old-fashioned plastic, isn't it? No. We chose to uh, display uh, those plastic bags because plastic bags have sort of become the image of the unenvironmentally friendly thing. It's just like a... Mm. It's like a it's sort of... Yeah, it's... it's yeah, pl plastic in the seas and sort of has made the... The, the plastic bag, sort of a an horrible thing that, yeah. uh, and sort of, yeah, an, a, an icon for everything that's bad for the environment. But they can't do any harm here because no, they're, no. They're, <laughs> they're in the frames. There's a bag from uh, a bag that, that advertises Vizier. We've got the Opal Sweets, of course, which you can still get as well. They're advertised in one of those bags. Uh, what else can we see here? Lingholt, which was a, was this a supermarket? Yeah, in it's, a, it's a local supermarket yeah. that used to be here. Also Vigurbær. But um, yeah, these are also very like graphically interesting. They are. So it's like uh, for everyone who is interested in graphic design and illustrations, I recommend to come see this exhibition because both on the pants and these bags, you can see sort of the local history of the late yes. 20th century and there was then and of course there still is but there would have been all the way through the 20th century a graphic design industry here in iceland coming up with these designs coming up with these images yes and that work is being preserved yeah i think uh, also just plastic bags i don't think uh, they are have been like uh, preserved in in large quantities I no mean, it's just a sort of a coincidence we have those 60 bags we have on display here where did they come from then? How did you get hold of them? They those? came from a house that um, uh, the inhabitants had sort of just kept everything. Right. And uh, my colleagues got the opportunities to just go through and uh, yeah and take what what they liked and what they found interesting, mm. and those plastic bags were among them. And presumably for that family, even though they kept them, they. They would have said, if you'd said to them, is this trash or treasure, they would have said trash, but you've realised it's treasure. Yeah, I think I think they're quite fun. They, they are among my favourite objects yes, in this exhibition. Yes. And it's not just the ones that are on display on the walls. You've got more that can be sort of flipped through as well here if you want to see some of these um, designs. Orlis, the uh, fuel company that still, of course, exists, but uh, some images of Iceland and Icelandic business from years gone by the apotec in apotec. and also uh, we can sort of see how the local has uh, changed for a few uh, companies and few shops yes like how how has changed the local from the beginning icelander has yes. certainly <laughs> changed hasn't it saga jet <laughs> is being advertised there 
Goodness me. There's a big space here. There's a lot of, of space in this museum, isn't there? Yes, I think we have about 700 square meters uh, to work with here. Um, currently, we, we are working on a new exhibition in the top floor. Um, we have a last collection of uh, model boats okay. made by a local man, Grimur Karlsson. And these have been sort of a yeah, cornerstone of the, of the exhibitions here for uh, yeah, about 25 years. And we are sort of working on displaying those again. So that's being worked on just now. So if someone yeah, comes I mean, here just now, the three exhibitions that we've talked about are, are running just now. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you can go upstairs and just have a look at the model boats, but uh, it's a work in progress. So for 2025, for next year, as we said, the exhibitions which are on at the moment, plenty of time to see them, but the hope for next year would be... We're planning a big, uh, uh, big change. We're doing a permanent exhibition that sort of um, takes on what, what's special about the Reykjanes Peninsula and our collection as well. Mm, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going to, uh, yeah, it's going to be about the sort of how, why sort of people started living here in this yeah. area, sort of from the beginning and, but also sort of, yeah, um, I mean, fishing has always been very important to the area, but yes. then we also have the, uh, the base, the, the NATO base, that was a big source of employment for, uh, for a while. And we also have uh, merchants, big merchants mm. that used to live here. And, and our collection is um, quite young, uh, which is unusual, but also fun in many ways. And something I suppose going forward that people on the peninsula will have to take into account is, is living with the fact that it has woken up again geologically and seismically and volcanically after 800 years. There won't be any reference to that, I, I guess, at this point, but it's something the museum might reflect in the future. Yeah, I mean, we, we share, house, uh, share house with uh, the Geopark, mm. um, Reykjanes Geopark exhibition and the Reykjanes Bayer Art Museum. So, yeah. So when coming here, you can just sort of have all three experiences. All three. Yeah, yeah. And you've, you've covered all the bases then, really, haven't you? Well, I, as I think we said at the start, or suggested at the start, there's much more to the peninsula, much more to Keplavik and Reckonis by than simply the airport. And this is a great place to start if you want to come to see the Heritage Museum and the heritage of this area. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you open at midday today? Yeah, we, uh, we're open every day from 12 till uh, until 5. And how busy are you at this time of year? Uh, moderately busy. I mean... Busy enough. Uh, busy enough. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we're, we're always happy to welcome new guests. Excellent stuff. Well, I can certainly, having seen all three of the current exhibitions, recommend that very highly. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thank you. It's Ruv English Radio. I'm Darren Adam, and you can get in touch with us anytime. English at ruv.is is the email address to use. There is more from Ruv English with all the news from Iceland in English at ruv.is slash English. Ruv English Radio is a daily English language radio from Iceland's national broadcaster, Ruv. <laughs>